No matter who tells us the Easter story, it's always a, a wonderful, wonderful story. It's about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it's about the transformation uh, that the resurrection can bring into our life. I want to invite you to follow along in your Bible, on your reading app, on your phone, uh, or uh, words on the screen out of John 20 as we read uh, the Easter story from that first Easter morning as the Gospel writer John gives it to us. So early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They had taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still don't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. Now, then she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, Why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go and say to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On that first Easter, there were a handful of people who had a radical transformation that was totally unexpected in their life. It happened first with Mary Magdalene. She was the first one to the tomb. And her discovery was not so much that Jesus had risen from the dead, but that the tomb was empty, and she didn't know uh, what had happened to the body of Jesus. And she ran back and told the disciples, and two of them, John and Peter, come. And they examine the tomb, and they decide, too, that it's empty. And when it says that the disciple who looked in believed, it simply means that he believed that the tomb was empty. Because there's a following after that in the Scripture that says at that point they still didn't believe that Jesus would rise from the dead. Disciples went home. Mary had the encounter with Jesus. She thought he was a gardener, but when she, he called her name Mary, she knew it was Jesus, and her life was transformed. And then she goes to the disciples and tells them again what had happened. But they weren't overly impressed with that until Jesus appeared to them later on and came to them as they were behind locked doors because they were afraid of their life because of the Jewish oppression. And he came in their midst, and he said, Peace be unto you. And they believed, all except Thomas, who wasn't there. And so Jesus came back later when Thomas was there. And Thomas, you know, was the one who had said, unless I can put my hands in the nail print and the spear print on his side, I won't believe. 
But he didn't have to at that point. He just simply confessed, my Lord and my God. What a radical transformation the resurrection made in the lives of these people. And I think one of the great transformations of history, probably the greatest of all, is the transformation that came over these disciples when they knew that Jesus was alive and that he had indeed fulfilled all the prophecy and all the scripture that he gave them, that he would be crucified, dead and buried, and on the third day be brought back to life. And the reason for that assumption or or statement that I make about the the transformation of disciples being maybe one of the greatest in the history of the world is because you look at them before they discovered that. And these were the guys that said they were loyal to Christ to the very end, and yet when he was taken to the cross, they all denied him. They all fled except for John. And then after he was buried, they were hiding out, and they were scared to death. But once they came to know him and experience him, their life was transformed to where they were bold and powerful witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the extent of the threat of their life. And tradition tells us that all of them except John died as martyrs for the faith, and John died in exile. Why did they have such courage? Why was there such boldness in their life? It's because they were transformed by the power of the resurrection. What happened that first Easter is an amazing story. And it is fact. But it's not just history, because that risen Lord Jesus Christ is alive today with that same resurrection power. The last several weeks, loosely based on uh, the movie that came out, Risen, uh, which tells a a very interesting story about Clavius, a Roman tribune who, who is greatly impressed by the crucifixion of Christ. He's a seeker. He goes through the process of trying to find if he has that faith to believe that this Jesus who was crucified is the Messiah. It's an interesting story. He does come to believe. And so the question to you in this sermon series called Resurrection Response is, do you believe? And so on this Easter morning I ask you, do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Is that why you're here to worship today and to celebrate? Because you believe in the resurrection of Jesus. You see, it's the resurrection of Jesus from the dead on that first Easter Sunday so many years ago that is still the single most significant event in the history of humanity. It's the resurrection of Jesus. That's the the defining moment of our Christian faith. As the resurrection of Jesus, that is the very heart and soul of our relationship with God. Now, here's another reason why we have to be challenged as to what we believe about the resurrection. It's because of this. If we truly believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and we encounter this living Lord and our lives are transformed by that, then our life should totally be transformed. And that should affect everything about our life, what we believe, what we say, what we do, it should determine the meaning and purpose of our life in every area of our life. Now, very quickly on this Easter morning, I just want to share three thoughts about uh, the transformation that the resurrection can bring in three specific areas of our life. Here's the first one. 
that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ enables us to face the reality of our sin because Jesus offers us total forgiveness. Jesus offers us total forgiveness. See, every one of us in here today are in need of a Savior. And why do we need a Savior? Well, that's because we've all sinned. We're all sinners. The Bible tells us that, that we are all sinners by nature and by choice, and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And one of the greatest problems I think we have in coming to grips with our sin is we have this tendency to compare ourselves and our sin to other people. You say, well, you know, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Or, you know, my sin's really not as bad as this person's, you know. Mine is gluttony, theirs is lying. So which is the, which is the worst one? You know, we, we, we tend to compare ourselves to other people. And that's not the way God judges us. God's judgment is based upon our comparison of our life to His righteousness. And Isaiah the prophet is the one that says, when you compare our righteousness to the righteousness of God, our righteousness is nothing but a pile of filthy rags. And so we need to understand that we all need a Savior because we've all sinned and we can't do anything to save ourselves. And so God, in His mercy, sent Jesus Christ to die upon the cross in our place to come literally sin on that cross so that you and I could have a relationship with God. Now we normally think, okay, on the cross, we focused on that last week, that the cross is our means of forgiveness, and it is. So what part does the resurrection play? The resurrection is the guarantee or the proof of our forgiveness. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. Now, what does that tell us? That tells us that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried but raised on the third day. And that's significant for every one of us because every one of us in this room needs forgiveness. And deep down inside, we all long for a greater, deeper relationship with God. And we all want to get rid of some baggage that we carry around. We want to get rid of some of the guilt and shame and darkness of of the sin that has been in our life. And that still is there. And it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that validates His crucifixion dying for our sin. I did what maybe some of you all did in the first service. I said for Christmas, um, slip of the tongue, but for Easter. I wanted something new, so I went and I bought me a new tie. I went to Jose Bank. And so I have a receipt right here from Jose Bank that tells how much I paid for the tie and says that it's paid in full. I don't know anything on it. It's mine. I paid it in full. You see, the cross and then the resurrection of Jesus is a receipt that guarantees our forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Jesus paid our sins. He paid our debt for our sins. And then when God brought him back to life, that was the validation of the fact that he had borne our sins and he is our Savior and the only means of forgiveness and a right relationship with God. And I would say to you today, if you have not been transformed by that fact, then you need to come to Jesus Christ today and experience that transformation where you confess your sin and claim Him as Savior and the forgiveness that He offers. Now here's the second observation that I make about the transforming power of the resurrection, and that is 
The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ enables us to face the reality of our death with confidence because Jesus offers eternal life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ affirms that Jesus is who he said he was and that he would do what he said he would do. When he was in a discussion with his disciples about going up to Jerusalem, being crucified, Jesus said, the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life. And then he went on to say, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. And I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. And he says, I received this command from the Father. You see, Jesus is telling them as early as John 10 that he had the power over death. He had the power to take up his life again. Remember when he stood outside the grave of his good friend Lazarus with the two sisters, Mary and Martha? And what did Jesus say to them? One of the great I am statements. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And he asked the question then, do you believe this? You see, that's what's behind this whole series about the resurrection response is do you believe? Do you believe that the resurrection of Christ gives us freedom from any fear of death? Now, I'm not saying that we should be flipping about death. Death is serious business. It's a very sober and sombering time. But at the same time, we don't have to live in fear of death, wondering what's on the other side and what's going to happen. What's going to happen to us is the same thing that happened to Jesus. And that is we're going to be resurrected. We're going to live for eternity as long as we believe in in God through Jesus Christ. And we don't have to be afraid of death. And you've got to admit, for some of you in here today, there's still a little bit of fear in your life. You don't know exactly for sure whether you can die and, and be satisfied with death that it's going to take you to a relationship with God for all eternity. You need to settle that today if you're in in that situation. But for those of us who have a rock-solid faith, and we believe that that God sent Jesus to die for us, and we have accepted that fact, and we've accepted Him as our Savior, and we know our sins are forgiven because of the resurrection of Jesus, we don't have to fear death. I read a New York Times article uh, recently that reported about uh, Larry King and, and his Uh, fixation with death. In fact, the writer said that he is obsessed with death. He was 77 when his show, what is it called, Larry King Live, his talk show was taken off the air. And they said that's really when he began to uh, kind of get in touch with the fact of his own mortality. And it's a shaky thing. He takes uh, hormone pills every day. And he has survived so far a heart attack, quintuple bypass, prostate cancer, and diabetes. But his desire is that he will have his body frozen, he says, so that someday he will live again. And they quote Larry King as saying, other people have no hope. Now I think about the number of times that I think I saw Larry King wrestle with this Christian faith idea when he had all kinds of strong Christian believers on there talking to him, Billy Graham being one. Al Mohler and others who had a strong Christian faith and influence on him. And I just, it looked to me like Larry King was about that close to making that decision. And I don't think he has. But his statement is, his hope 
is having his body frozen so that one day when science discovers a cure for being old and your body wearing out, that he, he can live again. No, no, that's not the hope. Our hope is in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's an everlasting hope. And we don't have to fear death because of that. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Now, here's the third observation. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ enables us to face the realities of life with confidence because Jesus gives us his presence. I don't think we live very long in this world before we come to experience firsthand the harshness of life. And if you haven't learned yet that life is not fair, you need to learn it now. It'll save you a lot of heartache down the road. Life isn't fair. You know, young people die in tragic accidents. Young people get dreaded diseases like cancer. Good godly Christian people get terrible diseases like cancer and other things. Integrity does not always get rewarded. A good work record does not always guarantee job security. Acts of kindness sometimes can be criticized and misunderstood. And the list goes on and on and on. But life wasn't always fair for Jesus either. In his public ministry, in his teachings, and his statements that he made, he was often misunderstood, sometimes misquoted. He was accused of being the son of Beelzebub. And then came the real mistreatment, injustice. He was betrayed by one of his beloved disciples. He was arrested. He was treated with brutality, and and he was mocked and scorned and flogged. And then ultimately crucified on the cross, the most horrible means of execution ever invented. And he went through all of that so that you and I could have confidence in life. Because in doing what he did, God wasn't finished with him. God knew in his plan that it was the death of Jesus Christ that would bring salvation to all in the world who would believe. And that the resurrection would prove that no event in the world and in your life or mine is beyond the power of God. Now here's what this says to you on this Resurrection Sunday. See, the same power that brought Jesus back from the dead, the power of God, is available today. Jesus gives us his presence on a constant basis so that we can have that same power that brought him back from the dead. What does that mean for us besides living for eternity, eternal life, being resurrected? Well, it means this. It means that in the disappointments and frustrations and failures of life, when the dreams and visions for your life are shattered, when relationships that meant the most to you are broken, God is with you in Jesus Christ. He gives you His presence, and in His presence He gives you His power. So that he can bring about a resurrection in your life from whatever has been broken, from whatever has been diminished, from whatever you feel like has been taken from you. And that's what happens in this world. We get beat up. And we love to hear the words of Jesus, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. We read earlier this month that um, astronaut Scott Keller returned on March 1st after spending 340 days in outer space. 
and he was in this uh, international space station, and an unusual thing took place because there was the absence of gravity. Scott Kelly grew two inches while he was in that capsule. He grew two inches. Somehow his spine was able to grow. He grew two inches. Now, they all say that now that he's back on Earth, getting back in the force field of gravity and all of that, he'll lose those two inches. And you know, he also has an identical twin brother who's a retired astronaut. That's kind of unusual. That's a little trivia to throw in there. But I thought about that. You know, how as soon as he came back to the reality of Earth, he's going to get hit with the reality of life in this world, and he's going to lose two inches. Well, you know, life's going to beat you down. You might not lose any height, might not lose any weight. But there will be some disappointment, some regret, some frustrations, and some challenges to your life. But here's what you should remember today on Easter. The risen Lord Jesus Christ gives you His presence, and in His presence He gives you the power of God to change the circumstances in your life. So now let me ask you, why are you here today? Some of you are probably here because uh, you had something new you wanted to wear. Some of you are here to keep peace in the family. Some of you are here because you're here almost every Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe in that. You love Him. You know what He did for you and what it means for you. Some of you are here today because you never miss Easter. You're just as regular as clockwork. Easter and you're right here. Some of you, I think, are curious about this whole Christian life about faith and about death and about Jesus and about eternal life. Some of you, I think, are here because you're seeking for purpose and meaning in your life. Some of you are seeking forgiveness. Some of you want desperately a a genuine, real relationship with God. And I think some of you are here because you need the assurance that Jesus is who He said He was. Some of you need a genuine resurrection in your life. So the challenge in this resurrection response is this. Will you believe? So will you believe in this Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins and became sin in your place so that you can find the forgiveness of your sins and have your, your slate in life wiped clean and be forgiven and get rid of all the guilt and shame that's there in your life? Then you need to embrace Christ to save you. If you've never invited Him to come into your life, You'd pray a simple prayer and say, Dear Lord, I believe you died for me. I believe you died in my place for my sins. I ask you to come into my life. I accept you as my Savior. I ask you to be the leader of my life, and I pray it in your name. Amen. If you've never accepted Christ, then that's the first step you need to take. Then if you're a believer here today, then you need to remember that the resurrection is transforming power. And whatever's going on in your life, good or bad, it can be turned over to God for the transforming power of God to be at work. Maybe things are going great and going fine, and you just simply need to take another step of faith in your life, and you need that transforming power to give you the faith and to give you the courage to take that step. Maybe some of you are contemplating spiritual decisions. Maybe some of you are thinking about making this your church home. You're thinking about that. You need the power of God to urge nudge you into making that decision. Others of you are here that you've got some chaos, some turmoil, something going on in your life, and you need a resurrection in your life. You need to claim as a believer God's power in your life through the presence of Jesus Christ with you because He can and He will, if you trust Him, bring about a resurrection in your life.
So for the resurrection response is, do you believe? Will you believe? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful Easter day and the reason we have to worship, to rejoice, and to celebrate because of the resurrection of our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that in your love for us, you gave up your Son who would die on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. And we thank you that today we celebrate the fact that in your love and power and through your promise, you brought back Jesus Christ from the dead, and we have a living Savior. We worship and live for a living Savior who walks with us and talks with us and gives us your presence and your power for any transformation that we need in our life. Father, I pray that there are any here today who do not know you as the loving, forgiving Father, that they will come to embrace Jesus Christ as Savior and be ready to step out and make that decision public. Father, for others who need to be challenged to another level in their spiritual life, I pray that they will accept that. And for those who need your transforming power to bring about a resurrection in their life because of some difficulty or some concern, that you will do that as well as they trust in you. Father, speak to us during this time of invitation. And may we respond as you want us to do. To your glory we pray in Christ our Lord. Amen.